Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. I feel like we can dismiss right now. Good job, Mr. Rob Susan. That was fantastic. But I do have a few few notes in front of me that I want to want to cover before we go. And last time, last time I had a chance to stand up here and speak to you, I had the topic of anger management. Now I have the topic of no retaliation. You think somebody's trying to tell me a message? And it's helping reshape the way that I'm living my life. We've been talking about the Beatitudes. We've been talking about the Sermon on the Mount. We've been looking at passages through Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And as I was doing this this week and preparing and getting myself ready, I I really want to challenge you to continue to read those words. Those are Jesus' words. This is Jesus teaching each and every one of us. And I just want to challenge you to continue to let those words, you know, read the red. Get it inside of you. Let it be a part of who You are how you act, how you react. But in this teaching today, and we're going to be looking at Matthew 5, and we're going to be reading verses 38 through 42 in just a moment. We have to remember the time that they were were living in when this was being taught. I, I really believe that the Jews expected a king to come to his kingdom, and he was going to take care of business and get this Roman oppression off of them. And so they were waiting for this this king to show up and just take care of all of this business. Then Jesus showed up and then he taught this incredible message of the Sermon on the Mount. And he was instructing and correcting much of what had been taught. We've been speaking about the sermon, as I said, for a number of weeks and we've been challenged by a number of points of it up until now. But just this last week, Pastor Pat and Pastor Noah and I had a chance to go to a conference out at Brighton or Brightmore Church, and there was this pastor that was speaking there. His name was Pastor Mike, and boy, he said something that just really, really resonated within me. And I want to tell you what it was just this one statement that he met, he said, and he says, Jesus' kingdom is not of this world. This is still Babylon. And Babylon is going to fall. Boy, we don't like to hear that about our country, do we? <laughs> we don't like to hear that, but we're to be living for the kingdom of God. That is what we should be doing. And all that we're trying to emulate, all we're trying to show, all we're trying to do is live and be good residents of the coming kingdom of God. And that really just about, well, not just about, it hit me in a way that was really very profound. These kingdoms that we're living in, even now they're going to fall. His kingdom is still to come. Let's go to Matthew 5. And let's look at verses 38 through 42. 
And it says this, that you have heard that it was said, eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants, you to, wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to Jesus. I got to flip my page over. I'm sorry. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. All right. Here's my question to you. Do you feel challenged by that scripture? Do you understand the words that are being said there? If you're not feeling challenged, then I think it's time for us to talk a little bit more. Because I'll tell you what, I read that and I am very challenged by the words that Jesus said. Very, very challenged by it. Especially when he said, you have heard that it was said. Okay, well, what was that all about? Well, back in Exodus 21 and 24. This is right after we, we talk about the, or the uh, Ten Commandments that were given on the mountain. And then he continues to continue to lay out things in the law. And it says in Exodus 21, 24, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. And as I was looking at this, and as I was reading, and as I was trying to study this, the people of that day began to take those words, and not only in that day, I think we still even take them today, and we like to twist them a little bit. We like to twist those words, and, and then we're not really reading them correctly. Uh, they didn't use it correctly even back then, because Jesus began in this teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, he began to change the whole sphere, if you will, or the whole context in which it was to be applied. The law was given, and God meant what was in the law. He wasn't trying to remove these things that were taught, but what he did is he began to clarify it even more to the people in that day and to the people of this day. See, this law that we're talking about here, this idea, this, this concept of eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, it really was given in that time in the realm of the justice system that they had. And the judges began to uh, work, or where they were to begin to work in a way of, let's treat all of this fair, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, right? And, so it was really meant to help administrate justice, how they were to rule as judges in civil manners. It wasn't necessarily about a personal matter and how we treat each other. Jesus was teaching us how to live. It wasn't the way we get to repay. He wasn't telling us, oh, this is how you get to repay people. No, that's not what his attitude was. It was about how justice could be served in the system that they lived under. So, if we were to bring it today and we were to read it that way, it would say, so, if you run into my car, then the right thing should be is I get to run back into your car. Is that justice? Well, what we have to understand is I believe that Jesus is saying, let's let the punishment fit the crime, if you will. 
But unfortunately, I think we live more in the world of, let me take it back to this. You poke me in the eye, I get to poke you back in the eye. Problem is, is we live in a world where not only do I get to poke you back in the eye, I'm going to step on your toe at the same time. Because I'm going to make sure, as Pastor Rob did such a great job displaying, you're not going to get away with that with me. You start acting all smug and skipping down the driveway, guess what I might do? I might stick my foot out. See, God didn't intend this to be a limit, or God intended it to be a limit, pardon me, but not an obligation. God intended it to be a limit, but not an obligation. Jesus didn't want the scripture to get twisted into such a way that it didn't fit the, or that it only fit the idea of the justice part. But what he was saying is limit your retaliation, limit your vengeance, limit your revenge. Not everyone who takes scripture and then begins to speak it is always the way that it is supposed to be understood and, and taken. We have to be very careful of what we're hearing and how people are preaching it. And it's okay if you do that with me. And I believe Pastor Pat, Pastor Rob, Pastor Noah, Pastor Julie, whoever stands up, any of our Sunday school teachers would tell you the same thing. Take your word, what we're teaching, what we're saying, get into your word and read it. Let, let me bring a scripture to you out of Acts. Acts 17 and verse 7, 11, it says this. Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those of Thessalonica, for they received the message, listen to this, with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Some of us might think, well, that was pretty rude of them to do that. Come on, this was Paul. Well, in the day as it was being put together, I don't have the, the sight that we have of it, but I think what this does is it gives us a great instruction for us to do is to take the word and listen and take it with great eagerness, readiness, if you will, examine and study what is being said. And we should be doing this daily, everyone. This should be a daily procedure. I know some of you do that, but I think all of us can get better at that. But see, what Jesus was talking about, again, is it needs to start with the heart. We've got to allow the Holy Spirit to do a work in our personal studies. And, and then when others begin to speak the word, we have the Holy Spirit helping us hear it and understand it, maybe even being able to check it. See, we have the Holy Spirit as our guide. I happen to be taking a class right now at the Detroit Bible Institute, and, and I just so appreciate the, the, the teacher that I have, um, Dr. Randy Ream from Stony Creek Church, and he's teaching, and he loves to teach the Word of God, and it, it's very interesting to be in the class and listen to him. He's got two doctorates. I listen to a man who's standing there who's been preaching at his pulpit for over the last 30 years, a couple doctorates, and he's saying, I love the word of God, but I'm learning more about it every single day. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, you've got a couple doctorates. And he's saying, yeah, and I learn more 
every day that I read this word because our God is so big. Do you want a God that you fully understand? No, if, you, if, if we had one of those, you wouldn't need a God like that, right? We could be that in ourselves. We need a God that continue works and speaks into our lives. And so what I want to point out here is that Jesus was not asking us to do something that he wasn't already doing himself. He knew what he was teaching, and he lived by what he was teaching. And we could see it in the way that he taught. Now, I understand when he said this, this was at the very beginning of his ministry. Well, that's a very dangerous thing to do, to go out and start preaching and start talking about something. And then all of a sudden, now you got to carry on in the next three, three and a half years of his life. He had to live these words that he was speaking. Just like we have to, if we're going to be out there, we're going to be professing Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, and, and, and we're talking about these things. We have to be careful that we're still living by the word of God that we teach and being an example of it. It's not good enough to just teach it and do something else, right? We have to do that. We can see that Jesus lived it out, and we can see through Scripture, especially in this time of trials and crucifixion, when he said this, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, then turn to them the other cheek also. There's somebody that modeled it. Jesus modeled that better than anybody. So the striking of the cheek, as I was looking at this, as I was studying this and reading on it and different things like that, the striking of the cheek was, was a type of an action in the, the Jewish culture and the Jewish people. They fully understood this. It wasn't so much, and that's why it says a slap. And it's the right cheek that they're talking about. A lot of times what would happen is somebody would like, like backhand, you know, cross the right cheek. You could see it didn't say a fist or clenched hand or anything, but a slap. And it was really meant as an insult. It could be something kind of like what we've seen in the movies. You've ever seen them as they pull that glove off finger by finger, take that and take that little glove and slap them across the face. It was really meant more as an insult. And so when we are wronged by these insults, when we are wronged by these things that come, how do we react? Do we try to retaliate to the offender that has brought something, a charge against you or whatever it is, this, this slap, this wrong, insulting type thing that's happened to you? Do you return it by doing something to them and maybe even just a little bit more? See, Jesus didn't want us keeping score with our offender. He wants us to forgive them and to love them. Only God is going to be able to give you the strength that you need to be able to act that way. Can I get a testimony to that? That's the only way this is ever going to happen, by God doing that through me. He actually asked us to pray and to love those who hurt us. If you go on into Matthew 5, which you're going to hear more about next week, so I want to be careful that I don't tread all over that. So take this statement as you will, but this is not natural for us in the flesh to be able to do this. To just, oh, I can let that go. No problem. Oh, no, not me. I'm ready to react in an instant. I'm a hothead at a lot of things. And that's why I said this word, 
has really been challenging me to stop. It's not natural to just act this way. You know what? It needs to be supernatural work that is done in us. That's why I believe he came to live in us. In our more modern world today, we don't even hardly see each other face to face very much, especially even pre-COVID world. COVID world makes it even harder. But today we use social media in a much more derogatory way at times. Ken, I'm not saying everybody here does it that way, but I've seen enough derogatory stuff that goes out on the social media realm that I think I want to just say this to you. People of this church, people of the body of Jesus Christ, be careful. You don't need to respond to every point that is made or every post that is out there. As a matter of choice or of the decision that you would have, I would challenge you to not to respond to so many of those things. Everyone, have you heard this? Everyone has an opinion. Yep, everyone does. Everyone's even entitled to their own opinion. But I don't think everyone has a right to share that opinion. And I think we got to be really careful and look at it and say, do they need to hear my opinion on this? I don't think so. I think we have to be so much more careful. Jesus brought the standard up, I believe, a little bit more with this teaching. Be careful. I want to just challenge you today. Be careful what you like, what you post, what you comment on, what you put a thumbs up to, what you laugh at, what you care for, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, whatever that platform allows you to do. And to go back to Jesus and how, as he was teaching this and how he had to live it out for just a minute, can you imagine the word? In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. Jesus, the king of kings. Even though the religious leaders never really accepted him in that day, they and others didn't accept him because listen to what they called him. They called him a glutton. They called him a drunk. They called him an illegitimate child. They called him a blasphemer. They called him a madman. And those are some of the things that they called him insults that came at him, he never really responded to them. And then before the cross, or before it even happened on the cross, once he was up on that cross, oh my gosh, the insults and the retaliation towards him, they, they beat him. They pulled, scripture tells us they ripped, can you imagine men, they ripped facial hair out of him, out of his face, the beard. How many enjoy somebody spitting in your face? You ever had somebody spit in your face? Have you ever had anybody lie to you to your face? He, he did. He did it. Oh my. And the list again can even go on that. Even on the cross. Even on the cross as he was hanging there dying. They insulted him and they mocked him for who he was. And he held his tongue. If anyone understood or if anyone modeled what Jesus was teaching here, it was him. He was not reactionary. Now, in all of that, let me 
before we go on a little bit further, let me talk about three things real quickly I think that might be important. There are three wrong ways, I think, to misunderstand this passage. It's wrong to think that Jesus thinks that physical attack should never be resisted or defended against. I don't believe that for a second. This insult, the slap to the cheek, was that idea of insulting. It may have even been a physical uh, hit, but he wasn't addressing if someone comes to attack you or attack your family. I'm grateful that in Scripture, I believe we have proof that we can defend our families. We can defend ourselves. Even the disciples, did you know this? Even the disciples with Jesus carried a sword along with them because there were thieves, there were robbers, there was unsorted type of people that were moving around. But he also told us in Romans that it, if it's possible with you, much as it depends on you, be at peace with everyone. So I'm grateful that the Bible doesn't really uh, forbid self-defense, but, and, and we're able to do that. But the fact that we are permitted to defend ourselves does not necessarily mean that we get to do that in every situation. See, we've got to know God's heart through the reading of his word and relying on the wisdom in James 3, 17, the wisdom that comes from heaven that can help us know how to best respond in situations that might call for our right defense. We're going to end up having to bear insults, folks, for Christ's name. Just make that up in your mind. Persecution is coming at all different levels. I believe we're going to see it at a greater level than we've seen yet. It's wrong to think that Jesus meant it's never wrong to resist evil. Jesus demonstrated with his own life that evil should be resisted. Isaiah 5.20 warns us, Woe to you who call evil good and good evil. See, Jesus corrected the religious leader. He, 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 he went into the temple and he overturned tables and, and he didn't let that type of stuff go on. But when there is evil, when there is evil, let's just say it today, human trafficking is an evil thing that's going on in our culture. We should stand against that or other abuses and other things like that. We, I believe, have the right to stand against that evil. What evil we're talking about in this is we're talking about that accusation type thing, that accuser that comes against you, that person that comes in. And as Pastor Rob, I think, did a great job talking about the, the things that were said that weren't fully true, that weren't true at all. Those things are going to happen. We have to be ready. That's not the same type of evil that when we have some of these other things like this human trafficking, like abuse, those type of things. We have to stand against that. Don't call evil good. Don't call good evil. I'll even say, if you can even apply that to your, to your um, recreation times and what you're watching and what we're allowing to come into our hearts, some stuff that we're watching with our eyes should not be what we would consider recreation, movies, you know, different things like that. I think we have to be careful. Don't call evil good. Don't laugh at evil things. I believe we have a responsibility there. And lastly, I think it's wrong for us to think that there's no place for punishment or retribution in our society. Let me take you to a passage of scripture out of Romans 13, verses one through four. I'm gonna read this out of the Amplified Bible. I just like the way it's said. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except 
from no authority except from God, granted by his permission and sanction, and those which exist and have been put in place by God. Therefore, whoever resists governmental authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who have resisted it will bring judgment or civil penalty on themselves. For civil authorities are not a source of fear for people of good behavior, but for those who do evil. Do you want to be unhappy of, of authority? Do what is good and you will receive approval and commendation. For he is God's servant to you, uh, to you for good. But if you do wrong, you should be afraid. For he does not carry the executioner's sword for nothing. He is God's servant, the avenger who brings punishment on the wrongdoer. I believe he's given us. There are authorities that are set up in our lives. I believe this is why we must be praying for these authorities that handle these type of issues from our legislative branch of government to judges, to courts, to attorneys, to general, um, the, our attorney general in our, in our country, our attorney general in our states, uh, all the way down into our um, local lawyers and local levels of our, our governments that like states and local police and different things, we should be praying for this. Because that's a, that's a big thing to carry, and God has allowed this to be part of our culture, you know? So we have to be praying for that, that it works the right way, that these things, and yes, there's, there's problems. I know there's problems out there. Are you praying about it? Let's continue to do that. So in the last part of this passage, I want to get back to the passage. Let's look at a couple more things. Verse 40 says, and if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand your coat over as well. Have you ever said, like me, boy, this society is so crazy? Let me, let me throw a couple things out to you. What if I said, where we treat you like family? Oh, that might be LaFontaine, the car dealer. I've, I remembered that after I put this down here, but Oh, how, let, me, let me clarify it a little bit. The first family of law. What would you say? Call Sam. How about we fight for you and we don't back down? No, that's Jeffrey Figer. He says that. And I, I don't know if you, if I watch too much TV, I'll be the first to admit. There's a lot of commercials out there. And if it's not a lawyer commercial, it's a gambling commercial. You know, you could bet your life away now. But as I was looking at this, it's just like I started to think, and then there's others, you know, we got the wind guy, and we got Zamler, Mellon, and Schiffman, and we got, I'll be right there, call Lee Free, you know, or 1-888-Goodwin, you know, Goodwin and Cheska, they're there to come in, and I'm grateful for them, and I'm grateful for these, and I'm not trying to minimize what they do. But yeah, there's a lot of ways to sue, but Jesus, again, takes us to this attitude of heart. Don't respond with, well, I'll make sure I get you back and I'm going to get all that I have coming to me and I'm going to even fight for a little bit more. We're in the wrong. Acknowledge we're wrong. And then submit to the authority. Don't, become, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Again, Romans 12, 21. 
Then it goes on to say, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them too. Nearing the end of this passage, Jesus brings up the person forced to go one mile with someone who, uh, but don't stop. He's saying, somebody may ask you to go one, but don't stop there, go two. In this culture, in this culture of Roman oppression over the Jews and stuff, a Roman soldier could walk up and just have any Jew at that point. He could drop his stuff and say, pick it up and carry it with me. And in one of the commentaries I was reading, they said, probably every Jew knew how many steps it was to carry that one mile for that soldier because it must have happened kind of regularly. But Jesus is saying, you know what? Do something different than what anybody else has ever taught you. Don't just carry it the one mile. Keep it and say, you know what, sir? Let's go another. Jesus is saying, go above and beyond just the requirement because that's the kind of love that I have for you and for what, I, what he even did for us. He went that extra step for us. Nobody took his life. He willingly gave his life. So I think what he's saying here is don't do it with hate or disgust in your heart. Don't just drop the stuff at that last step and say, I fulfilled my obligation to you. I'm done with you. I believe he's saying, Show them the love that I have, like I have for you. Go that extra mile with them. Keep on going. Show them my love. Let them experience abundant love. I woke up this morning and I began to look at some of the headlines in the news. And I'm like, Lord, are you sure? Is this still really for today? And that day for the Jewish people, the Romans were the evil people in that day. They were difficult people. How about today? Who are those evil people, if you will, that we need to serve, that we need to love, that we aren't to be taking retaliation toward? I'm not gonna tell you who it is. You need to define that for you. It's not for me to define who that is in your life. But I think we all have them at different levels, different ways. So if it seems that if we live by this passage, there doesn't seem to be any limit. There doesn't seem to be any limit to whom you and I are to be showing the love of Christ to. And then the last verse says, give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. I find this to be a little bit difficult again. I'm thinking just about every corner I turn around anymore, there seems to be somebody standing there with a sign and asking me to give them something because they're hurting, and, and I will buy them pretty regularly. And I've been having this really work and check me, and it's just like, I, I really don't know that because somebody stands there and holds a sign or somebody has a cup or, or does whatever that just because they're there doesn't mean that I have to be responsible to that. I've got to let the Lord work in me. It doesn't automatically mean we just oblige everybody that's asking for a free handout. To give someone who has a problem money 
can cause more problems for them, right, if we do that. We have got to be led, and that's where I really believe we got to be led by this, this spirit that will help us in this. By handing something to somebody who's already addicted to something does not make it better for them. So we have to be careful, but there are those that are going to come and they're going to be in true need. And we have to be willing to help. Allow Jesus to help you see the best way to handle these issues. I know that I can't, in my own strength, live this way that Jesus taught. What he taught us here in Matthew. I don't, and I'm guessing, probably you could be in agreement with me that it's not easy to do that. We don't have the strength in and of ourselves to do it. We need Christ to rise up in us to be able to live this way. Do you agree with that? I think we got a whole church prayer altar call again coming. I think maybe some are better at it than others, but I'm thinking of Jesus teaching this and what he represented as he went through the trials, the tribulation and the struggle that he went and how he held his tongue. I know our flesh is not that way. Our flesh wants to fight against that at every turn. So will you stand with me today? I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you. And I want you to do your own praying as I pray. And I want you to call out unto God in your own way. Because these words that he brought to us here in Matthew. Can I be honest with you? I feel like I could continue to study and study and study and study and study some more. And I don't know if I could really bring it it's such great language for you. I want the Holy Spirit to do the work inside your heart right now that as you take this and maybe you review this as you read Matthew 5 again and we've, we've talked about many different things but this whole idea of not retaliating, that goes against our flesh in so many ways. Father, we come before you right now, Lord, and I love this people. I am so grateful for the people that you've brought that are here in this building, that are watching online, that will tune in at any part of this week maybe and watch this. And now, Lord, I am praying a prayer right now, Lord Jesus, that you will help each and every one of us to be able to take more of the attitude of Christ into our lives, more of what Jesus represented here, Lord God, that we don't try to to retaliate, Lord God, that, that we don't make this eye for an eye an obligation of ours. Oh, Lord God, that we, we would learn how when the right time to turn that other cheek, to not respond, but to show the love of Jesus Christ to each and every one of us or to each and every one that comes around us. Lord, go before us. Lord, I pray for everyone that's in this place that Lord has to go into a workplace tomorrow and they've got a confrontational uh, fellow employer. They just got a confrontational environment. Oh, Lord God, raise up your spirit within them. Raise up your spirit within them tomorrow. If it's in the workplace, if it's in the neighborhood, maybe it's in their own home. 
Oh, Lord God, I'm asking that you will just empower, you will strengthen, you will bring a might and a power into each one that is in this house today. Oh, Lord God, that is in their own house today. And prepare them, Lord God, for what is coming. And Lord, what will be coming, Lord, you said trials and tribulations are going to come our way. Lord, prepare us for that. Oh, Lord, I just pray that right now, everyone that hears this, my voice at this time, Lord, will continue to get into your word. They'll study your word for themselves. They won't just wait for somebody to speak it to them, but Lord, they will read it. They'll take it in. You'll do a work. You'll inspire them. You'll strengthen them. You'll empower them through the words that they read in your word. Strengthen them today. Strengthen them for this week. Lord, we thank you for this short time that we have to be in your presence, one with another. But Lord God, now we leave these doors and we enter the field. The field is the world. Lord, this world that we go into, and there are all kinds of individuals that we're going to run into. Let us be the fragrance of Christ. Let us be the one that will share the love of Christ with those that are around us, no matter the circumstances, that we'll share Christ in all that we do. I pray it now for each and every one that hears this prayer. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen.